0: And welcome to our Harvest Valor Men's Podcast. My name is Mike Jonker. I'm one of the pastors here at Harvest and have a great privilege of pastoring our Valor's Men's Ministry here at Harvest. I'm a husband, a father, a son, a papa to seven grandkids. Family is definitely God's gift to us men. I'm also a carpenter, a salesman, an ocean lover, a sports lover, and I love to teach and talk about the Bible. We've had a great time going through the last book of the Bible with you, the book of Revelation the capstone of the Bible and all of the prophecies. It's been wild because as much as we are in the thick of life, busy with family and work and so many activities, we are also in the thick of the last days. Now, why do I say this? Because the Bible says so, and Jesus himself said so, and not just once, but many times. I hope these podcasts have been a great addition for you to Pastor Greg's Sunday messages here at Harvest, and for you who uh, join us online at Harvest at Home. You can always find Greg's messages on our website at harvest.org. We hope that you can continue to join us through the summer as we tackle some of men-related topics and how the Bible addresses them. I mentioned that I love to teach and talk about the Bible, and it's true. I look at the Bible in two distinct ways. One, as the owner's manual for life. When I was in my teens, I drove a 1961 VW bus. It was a beauty. It had a blue body and a white top. I could fit a lot of people in it. I could throw my surfboards in it. I could sleep in it. The problem was it was a 1961 VW bus with that 1600cc motor and a Solex carburetor and air cooled and all that. And I was always on the ground working on it. So I bought a great Volkswagen repair manual called How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive, a Manual of Step-by-Step Procedures for the Complete Idiot. What a title, right? But it was really good. It had everything I needed to keep my bus alive and running. It was an owner's manual. And if you guys remember, Chilton used to make them too for all makes and models. Well, the Bible is the owner's manual for life. In the Bible, God shows us how to live, how to give, how to get the most out of our lives. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we might walk in them. And God knows every nut and bolt of your life and more every cotter pin the bible tells us how to live how to be husbands fathers workers how to relate to our neighbors culture it's all right in his owner's manual and that he has given to us i also look at the bible as a love letter yes guys a love letter a love letter from god have you ever wrote or received a love letter oh man good stuff But in a love letter, you reveal yourself, your thoughts, your personality, your emotion, your hopes and dreams, and your love, right? You reveal yourself. That's what God does for us in the Bible. He reveals himself and his love for you, your loved ones. It's amazing, really. God has a heart of gold, man, and he wants to share it with us. And the book of Revelation is this last love letter. And here we are in the last chapter of the last book, and it's fantastic. But let me start by asking you a question. How does knowing the future of living in paradise or heaven affect your present day living on earth? Let me ask that again. How does knowing the future of living in paradise or heaven affect your present day living on earth? You don't have to answer yet. So let's start in Revelation 22. We'll start in verse 1. Let's start reading. And it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. And in the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there was no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads and there shall be no night they need no lamp or nor light for the sun for the lord gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever verse 7 behold i am coming quickly blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book verse 12 says and behold i am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end, the first and the last. John is writing about heaven. I have these guidebooks that give tips on the Hawaiian Islands. Kauai revealed, Oahu revealed, Maui revealed. They're super cool and really helpful. This is heaven revealed. Soak in this scene, a river coming from the throne of God and the Lamb. We love rivers, right? Fishing, canoeing, skiing, River mouths create great sandbars for surfers, but this river is special. It's not like the Santa Ana River. This river is spectacular, spectacular and beautiful, kind of like the Kenai River in Alaska. It's clear as crystal, meaning it's pure and glassy. You know, rivers typically are part of the foundation of a society or civilization. Rivers like the Nile or the Tigris, or the Amazon, or our own, in our own nation, we have great rivers like the Mississippi, or the Hudson, or the Colorado. In the Garden of Eden, God created a river with four riverheads that went out from the garden and watered the known world. In Genesis, it tells us their names were Pishon, Gihon, Hiddekel, and Euphrates. And heaven is going to have a river. Sometimes we get the idea that heaven is unreal. White clouds that come up to our waist, and we all wear white angelic robes and carry harps. Far from it. I hope there are Levi's in heaven. But what we see here is more like Eden. There is a river that flows from the throne of God. It's it's the epicenter. What is the most beautiful place you've been to? Maybe it's Kauai. Maybe it's someplace in New Zealand or Shasta or Aspen. There's a lot of spectacular places. Those places are all a glimpse of paradise or heaven or the new heaven and the new earth that God has planned for us. Earth is a shadow of heaven. It tells us there's a tree, the tree of life, and each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Man, I love fruit. I had to think of 12 types of fruit. Can you name 12 types of fruit? Let me try. Let me try alphabetically. There's apples. There's apricots. There's bananas. uh, There's berries, all kinds of berries. Cantaloupe, grape. Lemon, mango, orange, pear, peach, watermelon. I think that's 12. And I didn't even list tomatoes and kiwi. I think tomatoes are fruit. But there is fruit in heaven, and that means, well, that means we're going to be eating. And besides the fact there's the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is just a grand wedding reception, there's going to be eating in heaven. It also tells us that the leaves are for the healing of the nations. I love this because there's no sin or curse or no sickness. There's no more cancer. There's no more cerebral palsy. There's no more muscular dystrophy or multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or dementia or mental illness or blindness or deafness. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. Now, I don't know. We're all going to be salad eaters, I guess. Have you watched that series alone? They drop these supposed survivalists into the wilderness alone and they have to live off the land and they are eating all sorts of leafy things like nettles and dandelions and boiling leaves and a lot of things that we actually see on a daily basis but uh, they're edible. Now, some aren't so edible, so you got to be careful with that, but we all may be vegetarians or herbivores. I'm not sure, but maybe there's fruit that tastes like an in and out double double or a grilled steak or Chilean sea bass. We'll see. But remember, there were two trees in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve could eat from all the trees in the garden, but God forbid them from eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In fact, he told them in the day that they would eat that they would surely die. And men and women have been dying ever since. What was the deal here? God created everything perfect. It was good. And because we are created in the image of God in the sense that we can make choices. We're not robots. We're not programmed. And with that choice, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and not to yield to the temptation. And they sinned against God. And paradise was lost. And sin entered the world. And sickness and death entered the world. You know, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Because of sin, there is sickness and death. And in Romans 8, verses 20 and 22, it says that creation was subjected to futility, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only was man affected by sin, all creation was affected by sin, but Jesus, who is the creator and savior, promised to make all things new. Man, that's worth a hoot. You know what really amazes me, maybe more than anything, is that God knew it. And before it ever happened, he had a plan to save mankind from our own sin. Can you imagine the conversation before creation? Jesus and his father? Dad, they are going to sin. I know, son. We're going to need to step in. Dad, we need to conquer sin and death. Son, you will have to die their death. I know. I'm willing. In fact, I will do it with no remorse or regret knowing that the joy we will have after it's accomplished, and that's what God did. Hebrews 12 says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is set down at the right hand of the Father. John 3.16, one of our favorite verses says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There will be no more curse. Adam and Eve were removed from the garden, from paradise, as part of the curse because of their sin and the fact that sin was passed on to all of us. It affected everything. But all that changes when Jesus makes all things new and unites us with himself. It says there's the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. We will be with the Father and the Son and we will see his face. I remember being gone for a couple months on a work assignment and flying home and getting off the plane to see my wife, Diane, and my daughters, Tiff and Taylor. And it was the most beautiful thing in the world when I saw their faces. I was completely enraptured and overwhelmed. Guys, in Christ, we are going to see faces we haven't seen in a while. Maybe a son, maybe a daughter, a dad or mom or brother or sister or grandparents, You won't want to let go. Best of all, Jesus is going to look you in the eyes and you are going to have a moment. Well, you'll have more in a moment. You're going to see Jesus and you're going to see God. You know, in the Old Testament and now, no one can look at God and survive. Too bright, too glorious, too much power, just too much. Moses had to turn his back and watch God's shadow. We will be in our new, immortal, and incorruptible bodies that 1 Corinthians 15 talks about. This is no dream, guys. You know, Greg was sharing Sunday about a man who wrote in who had been paralyzed for 35 years, and he looked forward to being liberated from that paralysis. It's amazing. This isn't DC or Marvel comics, guys. This is marvelous. This is our future reality. We will have resurrected bodies that will be made for infinity and beyond. It's wild. But it also tells us that his servants will serve him. Adam and Eve tended the garden serving the Lord in paradise, and we will serve him too. In what way? Well, we'll know we'll be worshiping him, but maybe we'll be serving in in cities or nations. Hey, maybe we'll be farmers or ranchers, but there's no curse, so there's no weeds, only good soil. Maybe we'll be explorers or builders. We know there's no prison guards or doctors in heaven, but we will serve him in heaven, but we can serve him now too. You know, verse 12 says, Behold, Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. There are heavenly rewards given to believers who are serving the Lord right now. Are you serving Jesus at home with your wife and kids, maybe your parents? Are you serving him at work, being productive, but also being a light for Jesus? Everything we do now for Jesus not only pleases God now, and results in blessing now, but is accounted for eternity. God keeps records. That may be exciting to you or maybe a little scary. It's like turning 65 and realizing you hadn't prepared for retirement and you don't have time to save or allow compound interest to go to work for you. God tells us things to motivate us. We never work for our salvation. That's a gift. But we are supposed to be working to bring God glory, knowing that He is coming with His reward. I was going through some old boxes, and I found a bunch of trophies, you know, Little League, Pony League, high school football, things like that. These awards, they have no value at all. I enjoyed receiving them, I'm sure, but they're trash now. A lot of things in our lives have no lasting value. But what we do now for Jesus results not only in blessing now, but blessing for eternity, the little things and the big things. What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our talent? What are we doing with our treasure? Let me close with this. Verse 17 says, The spirit of the bride say, Come, and let him who hears, come, and let him who thirst, come, and whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Some of Jesus' first words to his disciples were, Come, follow me. Now he closes with this invitation. Come, let him who thirst, come. Let him who desires, let him take the water of life and drink Freely. Maybe you need to make a decision today to live for Jesus, to live with heaven in your heart and mind. We're going to pray in just a minute, and maybe you're not sure you're even going to heaven, but you can be. Come to Jesus right now. He loves you. He died on a cross for you and defeated sin and death so you could come to Him by believing, and you can receive Him and heaven right now. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for my sins. Thank you for giving me everlasting life. Thank you for the hope of heaven. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, God heard you, and you are now saved, and now you have the hope of heaven. I want to thank you guys for listening to our Valor podcast. Tune in this summer. We're going to have some summer podcasts as well. And I also wanted to invite you to our men's prayer breakfast coming up the first week of June on Saturday. I believe it's the 5th, and it goes from 8 to 9.30. We're going to have a time of prayer, a time of worship. We're going to pray for some very uh, pointed things. So join us, and we're also going to have uh, our famous breakfast burrito. So look forward to seeing there. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon.